reflect on the potter's house, specifically lessons from the potter's house. And uh, Jeremiah lived during um, a time of, of great backsliding in the nation of Israel. And um, he was torn in his heart about Israel and in their backslidden condition. They had forsaken God. He was worried about where the nation was going to end up. And the Lord wanted to speak to him about it because Jeremiah was God's prophet. And so the Lord tells Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house and I want you to sit down and watch the potter. And while you're watching the potter, I'll speak to you. So that's where this scripture comes from. And that's Jeremiah 18, 1 through 5. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Go down at once to the potter's house, and I will speak to you further there. So I went down to the potter's house, and I found him working at his wheel. Now and then there would be something wrong with the pot he was molding from the clay in his hands. So he would rework the clay. Everyone say, rework the clay. He would rework the clay into another kind of pot as he saw fit. Then the Lord's message came to me. Now, um, I'm going to share this message. I began last week. I'll be continuing next week and probably the next week after that as we unfold the lessons from the potter's house. But there was a couple of other uh, translations that, that I like the way they translated some of these phrases. For example, every now and then, in the New English translation that I read to you, it said, every now and then there would be something wrong with the pot that he was molding. So he would rework the clay. So if there was something wrong with the pot he was molding, he'd rework the clay. I like that the King James says, and that's the one I learned years ago, says the pot he was making was marred in the hand of the potter. And let me pause for a moment and say that when I first saw this many, many years ago, I thought, how odd and what a paradox that the hand of the potter, who we know is the hand of Jesus, the hand of God, is making, forming this pot, and yet in God's hand, that pot is marred. It's defective. And I thought, how can God make something that has defects in it? So we, we touched on that last week. And uh, we'll continue referencing that. But I just wanted to call your attention to it. So the King James says, The pot was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again. He made it again. And then in the New Living Translation, it says, But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he, and we're going to talk about this this morning, he crushed it into a lump of clay again and start it over. I'm, I've not always been a big fan of the New Living Translation because I thought they got a little flimsy and thin on some of, their, some of these verses that could be a little more robust. But every once in a while, the New Living Translation just takes the plain language of today and just <laughs> hits you with it. Instead of it was marred or there was something wrong with it, it says the potty made didn't turn out the way he had hoped. I have looked in the mirror and said, I don't think I'm turning out the way God wants me to. And the, the scripture doesn't say he reworked it or he refashioned it. It says he crushed it and made another pot. He crushed it and made another pot. I like that. So we're going to talk about God crushing you 
and continuing to work with you. So the message from the potter's house is not about our failures to be perfect. It's about God's determination and ability to perfect us beyond our failures. So the potter is not creating perfection when he's working on you. He is perfecting creation. Big difference. Because if you expect that God is simply going to form you up and in six months you're going to be perfect, you're sadly mistaken. He's already made you. What he's doing on the potter's wheels, he's perfecting you. He's forming you. And there can be several reformings or reformations. So God forms vessels for certain works. He's formed Glenn the way Glenn is for certain things. He's formed Giselle the way she is for certain things. Hank the way he is for certain things. Uh, Chris, we don't know yet what the... <laughs> we're trying to figure it out. Meantime, he plays the piano. So uh, God forms us for forms vessels for different purposes, forms us for different purposes. And uh, so it's in that forming, however, that our, that our um, flaws are revealed. So it's in the forming, it's in God perfecting us that our imperfections show up. Otherwise, they might remain just within us and, and undetected. So God chooses you, not for your ability, but for your pliability. It's how pliable you are in his hand on that potter's wheel through life. Not how powerful you are, how perfect you are. As long as you're pliable, God can work. So the message at the potter's house reveals a supernatural power that does not exist in the world, from the world, it exists only in the hands of the heavenly potter. And that supernatural power is the ability to remake a marred pot. There is nowhere, absolutely, there is no power on earth that can remake you. Cosmetics and delusion are all that the world offers for our flaws. Think about it for a moment. The world promises to be able to transform you, but the world has never transformed anybody. People are made, and, and as the Bible says, can the leopard change its spots? It is what it is. So the only thing that can happen to you in life outside of being on the potter's wheel is the spackling on of some cosmetics or self-delusion, pretending you're something. I identify as a 13-year-old Girl Scout. So, and I'm going to force you to try to accept my delusion. You see, that's what the world has to offer. Even sinners know how stupid that is, how ridiculous. But it is a sad, it is a sad example of the fact that once you're made, you are what you are, and you have to live with that. And of course, uh, we have a difficult time with it. But God is a miraculous potter. He can remake the marred pot. No power on earth can perform that. No power on earth can remake you. So when something is wrong with your forming, um, that God has formed you and God's got you on the pot and your formation, um, and there's something wrong, this was one of the first lessons that Jeremiah learned down at the potter's house is that God can reform you. Wow, that's amazing. I don't like the way this pot turned out. I'm going to remake it. God can do that. 
And so God can reform you. You know, when you're on the potter's wheel as a Christian and, and you're, you're a disciple and you're following the Lord and you're seeking God and He's working with your life and you feel like, well, I'm really forming up pretty good here. You know, the Lord's using me. And just when you feel like you're taking shape as God's vessel, out pops the ugliness and the dysfunction of your flaws. And when you see that and you think, my goodness, you know, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord, and here's this ugliness popping out of my life. How can that be? I've given my life to Jesus. How can that be that God's working with me and yet here's, here's this garbage showing up in my life? Don't be disheartened. Don't get discouraged because guess what? God's not finished with you. God's not done. There may be a dozen or more reformations before God is finished. Praise the Lord. Remember, I told you that I want to talk about being crushed. When, when the jar didn't turn out, the vessel didn't turn out right, the Bible says that God simply crushed it back into a lump and started over again. So today I want to talk to you about crushing. And what I want to say to you is you have a choice. Choose the pressure that's going to crush your life. Choose the pressure. First of all, I want to, want to I, I know it's obvious, but, but we need to call attention to the obvious fact that there is no progress in life. There is no forming in life without pressure. Babies aren't born without pressure. They're born through pressure. We know that diamonds aren't formed without pressure. They are formed by pressure. And so many things in life come forth through a process of pressure. You get to choose the pressure that's going to affect your life whether it's the pressure of God's hand upon you on the potter's wheel as you let him deal with you and form you up, or the pressure of life as you've hopped off that pot and you're out there living your life being some kind of a vessel, and the pressure of your flaws as you try to move through life. Life has a way of creating drag and creating pressure. And so you get to choose what pressure you're going to submit to. You know, <clears throat> people, people who care about progress, how many of you would say, I care about, I want to make progress in my life? Sure. Mo most people are progress-oriented. People who are progress-oriented hate to start over. They hate, they've gained some ground, they've made some progress, they can't stand going backwards. I've said that in my life at, at very critical times. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going, I hate the feeling of going backwards. We avoid that like the plague. Because we think progress perfects. Hear what I'm saying? We think, pro, we think the way we get perfect is to just press in. Progress perfect. If I get this job done, I'll be perfect. If I accomplish this, if I attain this goal, if I, if I reach and attain this target, then I, that's how perfect perfection happens. But the fact is it doesn't. Progress does not perfect us. Perfection only occurs in the potter's hands. It's the only place in life where personal perfection actually takes place. 
How many people lie on their deathbed if they're fortunate to be able to think as they're about to leave this world? They reflect back on their life and they say, I would have done things so differently. I would have, I would have stopped and slowed down and I would have put myself on the potter's wheel. In effect, that's what they're saying. I would have stopped being driven through my life by the deception that if I just keep going, if I just go from this goal to that attainment, I will be perfect. And I never got there, and I just became more unhappy and more broken and more unusable along the way. I want to tell you this morning, don't fall for the temptation to press forward with a defective soul just because you're too engaged in what you're doing. Do you understand? I may have found a fancy way of just saying to you, if you're in the middle of pushing, but you're defective, your heart's defective, stop and get yourself on the potter's wheel. But we don't want to do that. We're too engaged. We're too committed. I am definitely that kind of person by nature. I'm the kind of person that just says, oh, one more of these, another one of these, just keep pushing ahead. Don't fall for that temptation. And, uh, or, or don't think that not only are you too engaged for a remake, but you think if I press on, my defects will get healed in the process. This is where Satan traps so many Christians. It's where he sets you up for failure. He's trying to break you, and he's, he knows you're a, supposed to be a vessel of God, and he's trying to make you unusable. You're going to be a vessel, but he wants you unusable. And the best way he can make you unusable is to keep you from getting on that potter's wheel and living on that potter's wheel, to keep you just pressing ahead. Another attainment, another accomplishment, and I'll be perfect. <clears throat> But let me say to you that the time you invest on the potter's wheel is not lost time. I know we hate to feel like we're going backwards. It says that he crushes the pot back into a lump again. We don't want to be a lump again. I don't want to be a lump again. I feel like, all right, you know, <clears throat> I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not a lump again. But God can work fast. He can work fast. He works miraculously. But the last thing we want to do is go back to being a lump. We don't want to start over. But time on the potter's wheel is not lost time. In fact, it's the way forward. It is the true door that leads to the making of your goals and the things that God wants you to accomplish in your life. So don't think of your time on the potter's wheel as prep school. Think of it as OJT. We tend to think of the potter's wheel as, in the early days of my life, I went to school, started with elementary school, then I was in middle school or junior high, and then high school, and then I went to college and perhaps I went to grad school. But after all these years of training, I'm off the potter's wheel, now I am ready. I am fixed, I am, I am what I am. And when you look at, forget, forget these poor kids, that are being spit out of universities today. Look at yourself. How many people walk out of school, get off the wheel, and they are ready? They are marred. 
And oftentimes, what started out as a pretty nice lump, by the time college, or by the time school, public education, is done distorting and ruining them, they're a real wreck and a real mess. Most young people today are victims of public education. They're not beneficiaries of public education. So don't think of the potter's wheel as, as prep school. It's not, as a Christian, I spent six months, two years, whatever, the early part of my Christian life in training and growing, and now I've grown up, I know the Bible, and I know I've got a solid prayer life, I'm committed to fellowship, I'm involved in ministry, I'm a tither, I've got these things laid out in my life, so I'm formed. Don't think of it as that's all behind me. Because then if God wants to try to get you back on the potter's wheel, you feel like, oh, I'm going back to, I'm going back to school again. This, is, I, this isn't progress. This is regression. But think of the potter's wheel as OJT. You all know what OJT is. On-the-job training. That's what the potter's wheel is. God's plan is to keep you on the potter's wheel while he's using you throughout your entire life. You never stop being formed. You might be in your 70s and God's going to crush you back down to a lump and bring you back up again. You're going to be better than you were before. God never stops. So don't get off the wheel. Stay on the wheel throughout your life. Let me say this to you because, as I said last week, we are trained to think of life in historic trajectory, terms of trajectory. We see life as being linear, moving always forward. But really, the, the Oriental or Asian view of life is that it's revolutionary, it's cyclical. We grow upwards as we rotate, circumnavigate or around and around, and that, was a, that is a, really a revelation of God's universal principle of the potter's wheel. God keeps us constantly in his hand, molding us as we keep turning in rotation in his hand. We think we're being dealt with over and over by the same thing, but we're a level up from where we were the last pass around. So the answers that you're seeking in your life, they're not in front of you, they're inside of you. You're not going to find your answers charging off into life and trying to attain things, trying to push that load forward, trying to attain that purpose or that goal. No matter how good the goal is or the purpose, even if it's a goal that God has given you, the attaining of goals does not perfect you. The answers you want, the real answers, come from within you, not from in front of you. And that means that when you're on the wheel and God's hands are molding and God is pulling those answers up, he's forming those answers in your life, that's where the true answers come from. They're brought out on the potter's wheel. So the time that you invest in the remakes on the potter's wheel in your life are ultimately going to save you and they're going to put you ahead in life. I'll show me a Christian who lives on the potter's wheel. I'll show you a Christian who's going to be able to say, just as the apostle, I finished my course. I have done what God has given me to do. Yet you find the one that's always charging and out of breath and trying to move ahead, trying to attain this, and, and, and perhaps they achieve great things. At the end of their life, there's a sense, I guarantee you, of emptiness of what was I doing? What was I doing? And this, this lesson is just, you've probably already thought, Luke chapter 10, verse 41, 42, Martha and Mary. 
Remember Jesus and Martha and Mary? And he goes for lunch over to their house. Mary is sitting down at Jesus' feet, just sitting there, listening to Jesus. He's talking. He can say whatever he wants. I'm just going to sit here and listen to him. Just take it in. She's on the potter's wheel. Martha's running around. Pots clanging, all kinds. And you could hear, you can hear blowing wind out of her lips. <laughs> oh, you can hear what she's saying. She's agitated. She's agitated. She's frustrated. Why am I in here doing this alone? You know, I'm doing this for Jesus. And so she's scurrying, running back and forth. Does that mean that labor or work or is wrong? No, that's not the point. But, but Jesus stops Martha and listen to what he says to her. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. Wow. First of all, look at what Jesus said to Martha. He just spoke to our culture today. He just spoke to 90% of the world today. You are worried and upset. And I'm talking to the Christians now. I'm not talking to the sinners. You're worried and you're upset. I have wasted more time in my life being worried and upset. You cannot accomplish anything worried and upset. You'll never get there. The work of God will not be produced by worried and upset people. You're worried and upset about all these details. Jesus says, but there's one thing, just one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered what it is. And guess what? The devil can't take it away from her. The world can't take it away from her. She is on the potter's wheel and she is trusting my hand upon her life, molding her through my words, moving and shaping her through my words. And the world can't take that away. So what a tremendous, what a tremendous example in Martha and Mary. And I find that throughout the scripture, this, this analogy between the difference between living a linear life and trying to charge ahead and you know, push yourself into completion versus being remade as many times as is necessary, keeping yourself in a constant state of molding and forming on the potter's wheel. That's the way to move forward. So as you race through life, with this message this morning, I want to I convince you that the time you spend on the potter's wheel is the most important investment in your life you'll ever make. If I can do that, I, feel, I would feel like I have done with the Lord. I want to convince you, so much so that you'll leave this church this morning and you might change a few of your habits. The greatest investment as you run your race through life that you can make for yourself is to live on the potter's wheel. It is not wasted time. You're not going backwards. You're not starting over. God may be starting over, but you're not starting over. When God starts you over, it's nothing more than a rebound. It's a free shot. Hallelujah. And God lets you shoot till you make the goal. You just, you know, your dad runs the game. So 
Also in Luke chapter 10, there's another example, great example, the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and <clears throat> the rich young ruler says to Jesus, uh, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, let me tell you who the rich young ruler is. He's a nice guy. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him and wanted to reach him, but he, ultimately he couldn't reach him because the, the young man did not want the potter's wheel. And that's why Jesus couldn't reach him. But let me tell you what happened in the story, because I know you're familiar with it, but, but you may not seen the lessons from the potter's house in, the, in this exchange between Jesus and the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, let me tell you who he is. He is, and there's so many of us out here today in this world that are like him, but he is, he is an example of someone who wants to be right with God without living on the potter's wheel. He wants to be right with God. It matters to him. He's not cold-hearted. He's not indifferent. He really wants to be pleasing to God, but he doesn't want to spend time on the potter's wheel. He simply wants to do things. Tell me what to do, and I will I, I, I want an eternal life. I want, to be with, I want to be with God when my life is over. It matters to me. Tell me what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus pointed out that he wasn't deficient in works. He was deficient in character. He thought he was deficient in works. He said, what, what, what more do I have to do? And Jesus said, okay, well, so far as works go, um, what about the commandments? He said, oh, I've done them all. And he lists them. And Jesus said, oh, that's good. So then Jesus gets to the heart of matter. He says, you still need to get up on the potter's wheel because you yourself, you may not be deficient in works. You may be doing all the right things, but you are deficient in your character. You are the pot marred in the potter's hands. Oh, that just grabbed me, Terry. Just grabbed me. That's the rich young ruler. I have kept all these things from my youth up. I am aiming towards heaven. I want to please God. I am wanting to be pleasing to the Lord. So, Lord, show me what, what that I haven't done do I need to do. Jesus said, your deficiency is not your works. Your deficiency is in your character. You need to get up on the potter's wheel. For him, getting up on the potter's wheel, Jesus said initially was, give away everything you have, give it to the unfortunate, and come and follow me. Come and follow me. It was a call to discipleship. It was a call to living on the potter's wheel. The Bible says he wasn't interested he wasn't interested in the deficiencies in his character. He was wanting to know what were the deficiencies in his works. How can I make my life better so that I can be with the Lord in eternity? So many Christians making that mistake today and thinking, well, yeah, I'm 90% there with my good works. But the Lord said, one thing you lack. God is always pointing out to us what we lack because he wants to get us on that potter's wheel and make us better. That's how we get forward in life. Let me kind of bring this to a close and 
share a little bit about what I think he meant when he said one thing you lack. It's always easier to do something than it is to be something. It's hard to be something. You have to be molded. We'd rather do something. Just give me something to do. Some of you just run from doing one thing to another. Doing, 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 doing. You won't be still and let God deal with your being. You want to be all about your doing. When God's trying to be all about your being, that's where the concern is. That's what God's trying to do. Jesus loves you enough that he is trying to form your being. Because you know what? Your being, your being determines your doing. So you can't, you can't fall into that thing that so many people fall into. I'd rather do than be. God, through the potter's house, he's all about what you are, not about what you do. You say, well, a pot is a doing. It's a, it's a, it's a function. It's a, it's a vessel that's all about function. There's no such thing as a pot that didn't first become a pot. Being always before doing. Your doing comes from your being. And by the way, that's why Satan is fighting your becoming. The whole time you think Satan's fighting your doing. Oh, the devil's resisting me. I've been working for that raise at work and I've been trying to get ahead and I, not, you know, I've been laboring to do this and the devil's resisting me getting there. And you think that because Satan has inserted himself into your circumstances that he is trying to impede your forward progress in doing. Let me tell you, the devil's got a lot of people who do phenomenal jobs at progressing forward by worldly standards. Lots of them. Lots of them. So if you think it's really that important that you reach those certain goals in your life, let me tell you, the devil's got a thousand people that are better at it than you are, and he has had throughout all history. Satan is not fighting your forward progress. He's not fighting your doing. What he's doing is using your doing to try to get at your being. He's trying to get at who you are, what you are. He's trying to keep you off the potter's wheel. He is resisting your formation, not your progress. And the reason is this, and I close with this, it's because he knows what happens when vessels are in the potter's hand. He sees it. He sees, he has witnessed marred vessels cast mountains into the sea, call fire down from heaven. He has witnessed marred vessels raise the dead and turn alien armies to flight and to bring miracles upon the earth. He knows what a life on the potter's wheel could do and he is fighting your formation. So what do you do? You fight back by living on the potter's wheel. When you struggle with things in your life, ask yourself, am I trying to just push forward so that I can ring that bell or hit that goal? Or am I struggling? Am I struggling against an adversary who is 
trying to keep my character defective. God wants to perfect that character and personality because through it, that's where your victory will come from. Next week, I want to get into talking about the two hands of the potter. I thought about it. What are, what are Jesus' two hands? If his two hands are forming me, and, I, and, I, and he can take me with my flaws, and he's formed me five times already, and I've got these air pockets, and he's going to reform me. What are those hands that Jesus uses to form us? So I'm going to talk about them next week. We're going to look at them, get specific about it. So, but right now, close your Bible. Stand with me. And let's respond to this message this morning.